0: Welcome back to Kansas City and the 2024 Top Producers Summit. And a big thank you to RoboAg for making our coverage from Kansas City possible this morning. We are going to take a look at the future according to Rob o. Research, and we will get another sample of the great presentations happening here at TPS 24.
1: Live from the Top Summit in gleaming Kansas City, USA via Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Agri Talk. This morning, we begin with a conversation with Steve Nicholson from Rabo Ag. But it's Sam Taylor, also from Rabo Ag. And later, we may or may not catch up with the farm CPA, Paul Nieper. I'm the <laughs> handsome newsman, Davis Michelson. And now, the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Flory.
0: All right, Davis. I saw the farm CPA sneaking around here earlier this yeah. morning. Yeah. yeah, he'll
1: be here. He'll you be think? here. He's hard yes. to catch, man. He's I'm feeling
0: confident. I'm feeling confident. How <laughs> okay. you doing this morning, buddy?
1: Oh, super great super great. How about you?
0: Fantastic. Excellent. Excellent. We've got our uh, a great partner back for this morning's show, Robbo AgriFinance. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we've done a lot of work with Robbo over the years, and we're glad to have them back as a sponsor of this morning's show. So uh, it's going to be a great time catching up with Steve. Steve sure. is already sitting right across the table from me, so I already got to be careful what I'm going to say. Sam's going to catch up with us later here as well. So uh, uh-huh. Looking forward to today's show. Had a great conversation this morning already, Davis, uh, uh, filming this week's panel for filming. Is that a thing? Filming? I don't know. Th- You're big uh, apple, Joe? Sure.
2: Yeah, we'll let it slide. We're going to let it slide? I, okay. I can fix it in post. Okay.
0: Excellent. Thank <laughs> you. We were recording this uh-huh. weekend's U.S. Farm Report panel and uh, had a conversation with someone from Southwest Airlines. Uh, talking about sustainable aviation fuel and what the future is there and the, the, the uh, uh, involvement and how deep Southwest is getting involved in the whole process Mm. of creating the sustainable aviation fuel. It's pretty fascinating stuff. Uh, Really looking forward to, to, to getting that on the air this weekend. Uh, It's, it's, been another great meeting here, Davis. We've got another day, or most of another day left. I'm looking forward to everything.
1: Well, and we're uh, we're I I just got to put it out there, shameless plug for Robbo. dude. I showed up there yesterday and I was hanging out. Was that yesterday? Day before? I don't even remember anymore. It's all a blur. Right. And I said, "Wait, lead before. over to Big Apple Joe," and I'm like, "Wait, I think that's Steve Nicholson." I was so excited and giddy to see Steve again. <laughs> it's so great to have him on the show again.
0: It is. It yeah. absolutely is. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, the topics of conversation down here this morning, a lot of it is surrounding that ESG issue. And, uh, we will, we will talk about, we will talk about what it might mean for some of the demand issues with Steve when we get him on here in just a little bit, uh, the trends are going in the right direction. Sometimes the market doesn't want to look at it and doesn't want to pay any attention to some of the trends that are taking place, Mm -hmm. but nonetheless, we are seeing the early impacts of sustainable aviation fuel of the renewable diesel move the 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 signs are out there you just got to pay attention to them okay what do you got in the news anything
1: well i've got the national weather service near-term outlook where moderate to locally heavy rainfall will continue for california and the desert southwest heavy snow for higher elevations of the intermountain west a wintry mix for the northern plains Temperatures will continue to run above average for the central and eastern U.S. with record-breaking warmth for parts of the upper Midwest and the Great Lakes.
0: Yeah, that record-breaking warmth. Mm -hmm. It's hard to ignore now, man. Here we are uh, a full week into February. Mm -hmm. We're going to have 50 to 60 degrees in the middle of the country. We've got more. it, It looks good at least through the weekend and into next week. Mm-hmm. with some of these warmer temperatures dude it's uh yeah. it's, it's one of the freakiest februaries that that uh i can recall
1: well and i took one of my sergio mendez records and put it on the uh, sidewalk still not warm enough to cook an album just for your information then okay Money's thank you. investor services downgraded new york community bank corps credit rating to junk status citing concerns over the bank's financial risks and governance challenges this decision follows a week of significant decline in the lender's shares, triggered by reductions in shareholder payouts and increased reserves for potential loan losses. Shares in key Japanese and Swiss banks have also sunk in recent weeks after both disclosed risks from souring commercial real estate loans. The, the commercial real estate sector is wreaking havoc, Chip.
0: Oh, it certainly is. And when you know you you also have to look at what's happening in China with uh, with Evergrande, it's uh, yeah. just a, uh, an absolute mess around the world.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Senate GOP leaders have scrapped a bipartisan agreement that linked foreign aid with border security, a compromise they had previously insisted upon. This move, seen as rejecting their own desired trade-off, has left Democrats questioning their ability to negotiate. <laughs> Meanwhile. House Speaker, uh, House, excuse me, House Ag <laughs> Committee Ranking Member David Scott and Committee Democrats have released a memo outlining the essential principles that the next farm bill should encompass to garner the backing of uh, the House Democratic Caucus. The members stress these principles focus on safeguarding historic climate investments and the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that is something that we're going to have to focus on next week as we get ready for our coverage down at the National Farm Machinery Show. It is... it is. uh it is going to rekindle the talk of the farm bill and just exactly when it is going to get the attention that the house leadership would like it to see.
1: Well, Chip, this is interesting. The American Petroleum Institute has joined forces with the National Corn Growers Association to support bipartisan legislation, allowing year round sales of E15. The collaboration represents a significant shift in energy lobbying as both groups aim to combat the rise of electric cars.
0: Yeah, this has been this support from API has been around for a while, mm-hmm. uh, but again, you know when a when another wire service does another story about mm, look at this isn't this weird API is support yep. is joining hands with NCGA, um, then it gets the market's attention again. And this this time it did, but API has been supporting E fifteen nationwide for quite some time. Harold Woolley, the president of the mm-hmm. National Corn Association, is with us down here in kansas city at top producer. it's not like he's got enough to do he also finds time to go to meetings on his own that right. he wants to go to right. and he's here at cps and and we talked earlier today e15 nationwide is still a
1: priority mm, excellent well chip according to the des moines register last year marked the most severe financial downturn in 25 years for iowa and u.s pork producers Analysts predict another year of bleak returns, projecting losses to average $18 per hog in 2024. But Chip, I believe that's about half of the 2023 losses per hog.
0: Right. And let's not forget, 25 years ago, 1998 sucked. Yeah. It it bled the industry dry, mm. bled mm-hmm. it dry. So any comparison to 25 years ago is bad.
1: Well, gold prices in China have reached unprecedented levels as the Lunar New Year approaches. China's status as the world's largest automobile exporter, driven by electric car production, has drawn scrutiny from other markets, including the European Union, which has launched an investigation into potential unfair advantages from Chinese government subsidies. The Biden administration is reportedly considering raising tariffs on Chinese-made cars. Chip.
0: That's the Biden administration. What happens if we have a Trump administration? <laughs> Is it going to really be a 60%, 66, zero percent tariff on anything coming in from China? What kind of retaliation might that spur?
1: Seems excessive.
0: Uh, it's it's going to be an interesting conversation in farm country as we get closer and closer to November. We've got an interesting conversation coming up next. Steve Nicholson from Robo AgriFinance here on Agritalk at
3: TPS.com.
1: If the world is your oyster, we've got pearls of wisdom on AgriTalk.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to AgriTalk. We are live. I don't either. If
1: Steve Nicholson is thinking about me too,
0: well, I think he he did just say something <laughs> about Davis is on fire today.
1: today. He's right. Yeah, he's not wrong. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Hello, Steve. So, so O-N- O-N-
1: no longer. I don't need her no longer. Thank you.
0: All right. All right. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, today's uh, uh, AgriTalk is sponsored by Robbo AgriFinance. They've been a, a strong partner of AgriTalk over the years, and I'm very, very happy to have Robo back as a sponsor here at Top Producer Summit. So with that, Steve Nicholson is the uh, – oh, You want me to make time for this industry spotlight? Is that what you want me to do, Joe? Let's make time for this industry spotlight. (laughs) All right. Joining us now, Steve Nicholson, global sector strategist, grains and oil seed for Robo AgriFinance. Steve, it's great to see you again. How are you, buddy?
2: Thanks for having us.
0: Good. What is new at Robo AgriFinance that we need to know about?
2: Yeah, everything. I mean, it's everything. You know, we talk about so many different things today when you think about Rabo Research and the AD analysts around the globe. And one of the things is our strength is just that, is yeah. that we have this global reach. And, and And I've worked for multinationals before, but I've never, I, can't, I can now pick up the phone 24 seven and I can find out what's happening in China today or what's happening down under.
0: Steve, what you're talking about is the accessibility to the information, to the clients, the customers yep. of Rabo AgriFinance. It,
2: it's super easy to get a hold of this research from around the globe. Absolutely. So you you can go to raboag.com or riboa g.com and you can find out where your local banker is and he or she can get you hooked up with our research and we can and we can have a chat.
0: Yeah. And those chats happen absolutely with the Rabo uh, reps, the the yep. loan officers and so on yep. as you sit down and work together to put a business plan together for the year ahead.
2: Absolutely. And, we, and we're part of that process. And I, I always tell people, when you come to Robert Rico Finance, you get a whole team. You, you not only get to get a banker, but you get a financial analyst. You get us as knowledge from Robert Research. You get crop insurance. You got, you've got a whole bunch of people that can help you in your operation and make better decisions to move forward
0: absolutely good stuff well again thank you for supporting us down here at top producer summit we you are most
2: welcome thanks it. for supporting us
0: all right uh steve nicholson with uh rabo Robo finance research he's the global sector strategist for grains and oil seeds this morning we <laughs> yes. had a heck of a conversation it was yes. me pete meyer from he's an independent out there with muddy boots Egg right now and a representative from southwest airlines uh, I've that name's ex- escaping I, me, me and too. I, and I apologize for that but but it was steve 2 years ago you and I sat on a panel at top producer summit and talked, and about, talked about what we talked about exactly. this
2: morning and it's coming to fruition
0: Tell me about the progress that we've made over the last couple of years. Yeah.
2: So, and I think this is you know, and we could talk about the markets a little bit, yeah. but you know, what's happening with renewable diesel and 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 I am a little bit and you guys talked on the panel and I'm a little bit kind of stymied myself why we're not seeing more support here in the heart of the corn belt for this because this is good for corn, it's also good for soybeans. But you continue to see we're now, I think we're 3 months in of 200 million bushels per month of crushing Yeah. I mean, that's unbelievable. That's a record all time setting a record every month, every month. You talk about other records, you start to look at renewable diesel. And that was a lot of the discussion this morning, along with SAF was if you go through EIA data through November, we have had six, no, seven months now, I think is correct. Of over a billion pounds of soybean oil demand for bio biomass diesel. Right. That, that is also a record. We've never seen that before. So the demand is there for soy products or oilseed products and we, that was brought it out to oilseed. So you've got those two records. You're still building crushing facilities. SA plants, SAF plants are coming on. And I think it's, and it was and you guys talked about a little bit is how a crushing plant just doesn't come up. You flip <laughs> the switch and off it goes. And the same thing with the hydrocracker. You don't flip the switch and off it goes. It's not like a car where you hit the button and off we go. And so there has been some, We'll just say some challenges. Yeah, and I don't, and I'm, and that's not a. I don't want to say that's bad. It's just that's the that's the reality of starting up a plant. And so I think the market looks at it and goes, "Oh my goodness, the demand's not there. It's soft." No, it's there. And you look at the okay. California data; it's go, it's there. Okay, in your defense.
0: Yep. In my defense. Yep. In the defense of a lot of the analysts out there, when we started talking about this two years ago, absolutely, even three years ago. We were talking about watch out in 2025, 26. Right. That's the year that we're going to see it. You you look at some of the analysts out there right now, and it's like that was never said. It, it, here comes the renew, here comes yep. the crush capacity coming online. And you get six months later and they're saying, Well, where is it? Why hasn't it happened? Right. You guys, the timeline has always been
2: twenty five, twenty six. Absolutely. We we have not and I look at I look back at where I started on renewable diesel and crush capacity, and we're right on schedule. Yeah. This is not and and it's all the market's gotten so about expectations, and it's like, okay, I'm out. Let's and and you talked about it, and Pete talked about this particular domestic demand continues to grow to the detriment of export, and we could talk about that. But you've got this underlying demand that is so strong across. Yeah. And this is not just true in the U.S. This is true in Canada. This is also true in Brazil. They have growing domestic demand as well. And, you know, if I'm a place in the world that needs to import grain, I'd be a little concerned about that. How am I going to get my my food? Yeah. And what am I going to have to pay for it? Right. Yeah. So right. I'm, I'm still optimistic. Yeah, we're going to go through a period. We always do. It's very cyclical. Agriculture has always been that way. But the underlying demand is there.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the trends are are in place. I talked about it this morning, and I want to mention it. When you look at the crush estimate from USDA, compared to two years ago, we're up 100 million bushels. Compared to two years ago, we had soybean meal stocks at 300,000 metric or 300,000 tons. This year, they're estimated at four hundred thousand tons. So we're building meal stocks. Soybean oil stocks have gone from two billion pounds to one point five billion pounds. Right. So we're increasing our crush, bringing down our oil
2: stocks. Huh? I wonder why. I wonder why. And, and I, and we do we do a ten year baseline, and and we yeah. also see prices a little bit not where they've been. So I'll, I'll say that up front. But we also we have a higher soybean price in USDA just because of what we're just talking about. Yeah. And, and I always remind people and and this is not a knock on USDA or FAP or anybody, but you know they, they do their their baselines based on what they know today. Yes, and not on what potentially future, but we felt it was really important because this is a structural change in. US crushing that we need to understand what that means to the baseline. and what's that mean to acres, what's it mean to price? what's it mean to to uh, demand? yeah so yeah that's really really important
0: okay so the biofuels push it's all part of the underlying outlook for what's going on in the oil seeds can't just say soybeans
2: right takes over the grains it's a little bit of a different story there isn't it it's a lot different story so let's focus on corn Um, corn's king you know and i've said and we've talked about this before I'm still very concerned about the long-term demand for corn. Where does it come from? And EVs are are here. We have to recognize that and we have to be, you know, kind of sober cold about that. Yeah. And so ethanol demand for now is a, at best for vehicles, is flat. Let's just be honest about that. Yeah. So where is the new demand for corn? Because we continue to see, despite all the, the yield challenges we've had, we continue to see production of corn continue to go up. And we produced a crop last year under very I would say, not fair, you know, right. not great conditions. Right. And so where does that New demand come for corn? There's bioplastics, biochemicals, and that'll that'll help. But you talked about SAF this morning. We, we got to go back to the biofuels. We got to go back to the biofuels. And, you know, the, the discussion this morning about ethanol and about the hefa, it, the, the, there's eight platforms to build to produce SAF. Yeah. But there's only three that really have any sort of, I'm going to use a pun, Long runway. Right. Davis will probably like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the is vegetable oil, and like we just talked, where are you going to get the feedstock. That's yeah. so it's like we're going to import it. Okay. So how does that reduce our carbon footprint if we want to go down that route? Yeah. But I think if the, if the if the ethanol industry and I and I'm I'm going to kind of put that start there is we need to make sure that the ethanol industry and SAF folks get mm-hmm. together and figure out a way to make ethanol. Alcohol to jet, cheaper to produce than, than yep. using soybean oil or yep. oil seed. Comparable. Comparable. Yep. At least comparable, because it's a little more expensive. There's a more capital expenditures yep. up front. So that, to me, is where there's a lot of, again, runway for ethanol down in the alcohol to jet space. And I yep. think that's where the new corn demand comes from or maintains what we have.
0: The point that I made at the end of the conversation with the group this morning is that the fact is the investments are being made. Absolutely. It's not just government dollars. No. It is private company investments being made. And that, I think, I think, gives this whole industry some legs that it feels a little different, a little stronger. Absolutely. Yep. Because they have to meet goals, too. Absolutely. It's always good to see you, Steve. Good to see you, Chip. Steve Nicholson, global seed, uh, sector strategist for grains and oil seeds at Rabo Agri Finance. We are talking farm inputs next with Sam Taylor from Rabo, right here from TPS 24 in Casey.
5: Time for Markets Now with the experts from Pro Farmer. Joining
0: us now, Pro Farmer editor Brian Grady. Beed, take a quick look at the markets. We've got beans and meal that are kind of weighing on everything, right?
6: Yeah, uh, so soybeans uh, trading about a dime lower in the front end of the market and uh, old crop contracts, that is. And, and uh, you know, just new for the move low earlier today. We're trading off those lows, but uh, meal market continues to weaken as well. Uh, corn futures, they're down about three cents here at mid-morning. Uh, they posted new contract lows earlier in the day. And, and uh, you know, just no conviction there for traders to uh, funds to cover short positions ahead of tomorrow's uh, USDA reports.
0: Yeah, looking at that March corn, uh, corn contract at 435 this morning, it just, it, it, it makes me shake my head. And, I, and uh, believe me, it's creating some anxiety out there among producers because that, uh, that old crop contract is going to have a big impact on what's going to happen in the new crop as well. Um, anything in particular in the wheat is, that is happening or is it just positioning?
6: Yeah, positioning. So some okay. short covering in, in SRW and HRW. Uh, struggle to find buyers in spring wheat so far this morning.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Take us over to the livestock trade. What do you see?
6: Well, live cattle futures are are mildly weaker. So we had the big explosive move up yesterday and and just pulling back on some profit taking there, uh, knowing that uh, cash cattle trade isn't likely to develop until much later in the week. Uh, Kind of a mixed tone here at uh, midday for feeder cattle. And then hog futures, uh, we, we faced some pressure over the past four or five yep. days there and uh, bouncing back uh, moderate to strong gains at mid-morning. So uh, a good price performance, good price recovery after uh, several days of, of leaving, So
0: Yeah, looking for some help from the cash market in both of those. All right, thank you, Brian. That is Pro Farmer editor Brian Grady on Markets Now.
1: Opinions expressed on Agritalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. We don't make the news, we render it. Agritalk.
0: Welcome back to Agritalk. We're live from Kansas City at the Top Producer Summit 2024. Big thank you to Robbo AgriFinance for making this morning's show down here at TPS24 possible. Uh, we talked about the markets and some of the outlook with Steve Nicholson here in, uh, in the last segment. Let's talk about the other side of the ledger and the farm input side. We've got Sam Taylor joining us from Robo Ag right now. Sam, it's great to talk with you again. How are you?
7: I'm good, thanks. How are you?
0: Good, good, good. Glad that you are here. Uh, Sam, the inputs and the whole input story is is as caught a lot of attention down here at TPS for a couple of reasons. Number one, we look at 2023 and we remember what was the most expensive corn crop that I think pretty much everybody here has grown. Is that right?
7: Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, it's, it's kind of a, um, it was certainly, if you look at the fertilizer affordability further affordability, um, uh, is made a change it was pretty expensive but what has really been the difference on a year over year basis is actually the fall off in commodity agri commodity prices so fertilizers have come down but just the agri commodities have come down a little bit more so there's a kind of mixed sentiment yes it was expensive last year for sure yeah but it still feels pretty expensive this year
0: yeah it does and and as we're putting together the balance sheets on this 2024 crop there is some relief there's some relief on that input side, but it's not like it's created a lot of wiggle room, especially with what the commodity markets have done. Correct?
7: Yeah, yeah, um, and I think that there are. If you break it down into its composite pieces, there are some bits which are quite anomalous. So phosphate prices are really sticky and very expensive at the moment. Um, so it's it's not a a full flowing continuous dynamic and margins are probably going to be pretty tight this year for growers
0: okay so what is the outlook what's the story on phosphates what's creating the, the the market prices that we've got
7: so i think when i look at this year um cognizant that a lot of decisions are already made there's three kind of main catalysts that we're looking at It's the energy price, domestic politics and geopolitics, and then the underlying commodity price. Uh, On the phosphate side, it's really a function of politics. So it's the fall off in exports, um, it's um, trade dynamics, and it's just kept the North American market a lot more tight on the phosphate side. And actually the affordability of phosphates in the North American market is actually quite dear relative even to global markets as well. Um, right. I think the hope is that we should see some reprieve in that, but it might not come until later, second half of the year, um, really as a result of a change of policy, hopefully, in China.
0: Okay, very good. Uh, reminder, we are talking with Sam Taylor, the Farm Inputs Analyst at Rabo AgriFinance, and a big thank you again to Rabo for sponsoring uh, uh, AgriTalk here at Top uh, Producers Summit. Um, Sam, longer term, Longer term, yeah. what what do you make of this inputs market? I look at what's happening in the Middle East. I look at what's happening in Ukraine. I look at some of the conflicts here in the United States. And I wonder how stable is there any stability that we can count on in that fertilizer market?
7: Um, I think you can, I mean, maybe the stability comes in relativity. It's the relativity okay. to other geographies and how much they are more um, vulnerable to um, geopolitics. Uh, You know, there's a very strong um, domestic production base, both in the energy complex, but also in the actual inputs. And it seems unfair to say to growers, given some of the affordabilities, but actually at the moment it's quite a, a banal, less volatile market in the inputs than we have seen for the last 18 months. And we're not really in a position to forecast volatility um, per se as a result of the Middle East crisis. Um, There's probably a greater chance of um, incremental change in pricing if this conflict gets any worse. But it's not the same as the the uh, Russia Ukraine crisis. Okay. Um, given the exposure to uh, potash production, phosphate production, nitrogen gotcha. production, um, and the inability to diversify those supply chains quite so much.
0: Um, okay. Talk to me about some of the logistics issues that we're dealing with here in the U.S. And I'm looking at the Mississippi River. Uh, what? How do you feel about the supply situation as we get into spring?
7: Um, I think that the supply situation has—it's uh, not been too bad, actually. If you look at the kind of relative spread between some of the products from uh, from the coastal, so that we'd look at the North, uh, the the NOLA benchmark, the New Orleans benchmark versus the inland benchmark, they're actually not spread to as much as we could have feared or could have seen. Um, I think that this is partly as a result of. Um, inventory generally, and we can broaden this out beyond fertilize here, being a little bit more supported inland than we'd necessarily thought. I do think that there's a little bit of, um, uh, on a, like a, a month over month or perception tighter on the nitrogen side than we would have thought maybe two months ago. I think partly as a result of the kind of cold spell. Yeah. So maybe the, ure- the urea prices could be a little tighter come spring. Um, and the logistics, any logistics snafus don't necessarily help that. But we've weathered the logistics issues actually on the uh, yeah. on the river a little bit better than we could have feared. Okay, boy, if Sam, you want to find it, no. go ahead, Davis.
1: Well, I want to take Sam back to the to the energies conversation just for a second here. Um, domestically here in the U.S., natural gas has been completely unscary, um, and I'm yeah. wondering what your outlook might be. I mean, how much how much natural gas? risk is there in, uh, in especially in the nitrogen market
7: well i mean so the, the natural gas price risk i think is predominantly coming uh well has been over the last couple of months tied to the years tied to the nitrogen market is really what's happening in the european complex mm-hmm. i mean they are mm-hmm. much more the marginal producer uh their inability to actually get the natural gas from russia Really changed the complex of nitrogen production back in Mm -hmm. the kind of 2021 and 2022. We saw huge curtailments of uh, ammonia production, but also the other nitrogen production in Europe. It got as high as 70 to 80%, depending Mm -hmm. on the ammonia or urea. It's now down into the 30s. So there's that less constraint there. There's greater supply of natural gas in Europe. So I mean, these these commodities are quite tightly correlated with uh, natural gas, but that kind of fear association about shortage of production in Europe has abated a little bit. And when you look at the forward curve on natural gas and what this could do necessarily to ammonia prices, our view is that ammonia prices could come down mm-hmm. or are directionally coming down. Uh, urea probably has got a little bit of a seasonal uptick and then should come down, but the the cost curve is not looking terrible for producers, nitrogen producers, that yeah. is. And then the kind of natural gas complex is benevolent relative to 21 and 22 kind of time periods. <laughs> yep. I like yeah. the sound of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I I
0: know we're going to like the idea of some some the the trend in nitrogen prices. But when you look at the amount of nitrogen that went on this last fall, there's some guys out there that are thinking to themselves, I got it. I should have waited now. But if they hadn't have done what they did last fall, it wouldn't create the situation that we've got for this spring that could result in some even cheaper nitrogen prices, correct?
7: Yeah, correct. But I also do think there is, I mean, I would like kind of caution the belief that urea still has a little bit of upside potential over the coming months as well. So um, uh, it depends like okay. kind of how much nitrogen you got down and if you're going to rely too much on um, spring nitrogen you might have seen some uh changes there but also the cold spell does appear to have tightened production in the north american market a little bit of kind of curtailment there so um we've tamped our fall down a little bit on our view as a result of that kind of cold spell for sure
0: okay all right uh sam real quick on on kind of another longer term question the Changes in management practices, maybe getting away from a fall application, doing a split application in the spring. Some of the climate smart farming practices that are being supported out there. Is it having any impact on the seasonalities of the nitrogen market?
7: Uh, I don't think we've got a long enough time series to form a, like a really strong conviction on that. I think yeah. that some of these kind of complements and substitutes products have... Grown in demand, grown in volume, Uh, but farming is an evolutionary trend. It's not a revolutionary trend, and I think that's correct. I think we see folly when you see it really uh, being too revolutionary, and it's too it's too risky. It's too risky. So I think we need a little bit of a longer um, time series of information to form firm conviction. I think it's perfectly logical that the greater adoption of technology, the greater use of substitutes will eventually um, uh, have a, an impact yeah. on aggregate demand as things go on but I mean w- we can point to uh, precedences in other technologies so look like at the ag chem if you look at the volumes yeah. of ag chem that were applied decades ago versus what's applied today it, exactly. it's the natural pro- it's the natural progression right
0: yeah farmers have proven that if the technology works they will adopt it. And yeah. I, I think that, that is a, that's an excellent comparison to make right there, Sam. Really cool. Boy, I enjoyed the conversation, Sam. Thank you.
7: Thanks very much, guys.
0: All right. That is Sam Taylor. He's the Farm Inputs Analyst at Robo AgriFinance. Listen, if you would like to get more information from Robo, go to Robo, excuse me, Robobank.com slash knowledge. com slash knowledge. That's where you can go for more information. A big thank you to Steve and to Sam for joining us uh, on today's show, sponsored by Robo Finance here at Top Producers Summit uh, 2024. When we come back, one of the presenters, he's been a popular guy. I see him talking to a bunch of people everywhere. It's the Farm CPA. Paul Nieper is
3: up next here on Agritalk.
1: The best talkers in ag, including you. Join the conversation on Agritalk. Call us at 855-4-TALK-AG.
0: Welcome back to Top Producer Summit again. Today's show is sponsored by Robo AgriFinance. To learn more. Go to robobank.com knowledge. Robobank.com slash knowledge. Joining us right now, Farm CPA, Paul Naper. Nafer, it's good to see you
8: face-to-face, yeah, man. How you doing? We talk all the time. Yeah. We only see each other once a year. Yeah,
0: fantastic. Nice. Fantastic. Okay. So uh, Paul has developed quite the relationship with Top Producer. Yeah. And over the years has been a judge for the Top Producer of the year. This year's winner, we had her on yeah. the show yesterday okay. with, with Kelly and JP, the, the, the other finalists. In the uh, top producer of the year, but Christine Hamilton Christensen Land and Livestock
8: uh, was winner of the top yep, producer yep. of the year, and they're all winners. The, oh, but, absolutely!
0: Yep, this yep. had to be one of the toughest decisions
8: yeah, ever. Yeah, and and when I sort of list them, I don't go one, two, three; I go one A, one B, one C, mm-hmm. or one A, one, one A two, and so on. So it, it's tough, but yeah. uh, and they're getting better every year. So. It, it
0: it's incredible to me. And the thing is, as we watched the video about Christensen Land and Livestock last night. I still felt like we only got
8: a, a sliver of the story. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's more to that. And, and like she says, it's the team, you know, it's yeah. not her, it's not her husband. It's the team that she's surrounded herself with. And and that really comes through loud and clear on, especially the video and being involved as part of the judging process.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Well, when you've got a division of your farm that is now publicly traded corporation, <laughs> That is involved in pharmaceutical yep. development. Yeah.
8: Which is an interesting story, taking uh, I think it's for diabetes that they're you know, sort of implanting an embryo into a, a cow or a yeah. calf and through that process, it comes up with a medicine. It is, it is very interesting. It is
0: unbelievable what is happening at that operation. Yeah, yeah. They've got the direct market into yep. the Las Vegas yeah, uh, beef.
8: Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. South Dakota beef. I Dakota think beef. Yeah. 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 And I was wow. in Vegas last week eating it, uh, eating at the, uh, at the Eiffel tower and I yeah. might've had some of their beef. At Paris. So, yeah. 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 It was great.
0: Very so, cool. Very cool. All right. Obviously, as you walk around here, you're in big demand. I see you talking to a lot of people most of the time. Uh, you've also had a breakout yeah. session. What did you learn? What did you
8: learn well, at the
0: breakout session? What,
8: what I learned is even though, you know, I've had this discussion maybe a month or two ago yeah. about the Corporate Transparency Act. Okay. What I learned is nobody, no farmers really know about it. And that's the act that says if they have a corporation or an LLC or any of those entities that require to be filed with the Secretary of State, they have to list it. They have to go online to FinCEN, F-I-N-C-E-N gov. So FinCEN gov, and they actually have to, you know, list the name of the entity, the address, then for every owner that owns more than 25 percent, either directly or indirectly, and that's where it can get complicated or anybody that has significant control over that entity, they have to go ahead and list that person's name, their physical address, not a P.O. box, physical address, and then here's where the rubber meets the road. You have to list a driver's license number, passport number, and, and that's the big and, you have to upload a copy of that to the up to the website. Now, a lot of farmers, we know farmers, they can be fairly independent. Would we agree on that? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. And they're like, uh, I don't like this. The government's in control of me. Well, they're less to put my info no, on. Yeah, exactly. But if they don't do it, and this is per company, so you got 10 companies and you decide not to do it for those 10 companies, it's a $500 a day penalty up to a maximum of, of $10,000 per company. So that only takes 20 days to be late. You owe 10000 you got 10 companies out to $100,000. Now, I think, realistically, the first time you miss it, they might give you a little grace, but we are talking about the government, so yeah. that, that isn't always true. And what does FinCEN stand for? It's the Financial Information Network. Well, that sounds good. Criminal Enforcement Network, uh, or something like that. Criminal Enforcement. So, these guys don't play around. So, uh, you know, we definitely... and. The other thing you need to understand, we know that I'm a CPA. Well, I'm sort of semi-retired as a CPA, but most of the CPAs out there are not going to do this because they've been told by their insurance company and the AICPA that they're practicing law. So it's either your attorney that might have to do it, which they hate, or it's going to be you. Now, I've looked online. I haven't actually filled one out yet. I'm getting ready to. It looks like a fairly easy form to fill out, but they need to understand what's required. And that's, that's, that's the that might be where it gets a little bit more complicated. Yeah. Yeah. But I was surprised. Uh, I thought...
0: Nefer, there's usually a carrot involved. Is there a carrot involved? Do you get anything for
8: signing up, putting your name on this list? uh, Your carrot is that they promise not to share your information with anybody. So that's the only carrot. So, uh, because if somebody... Supposedly, if somebody shares the information, they're subject to a penalty. So
0: this is a stick.
8: Yeah, this is a stick. And it's a big stick. Now, the key is, if you... Had this entity at the end of last year, you got till the end of 24, but if you create a new one this year, you only have 90 days and where the stick is really hard. Yeah. I had one last year, but then I, I filed it this year, but then I had to get a new driver's license or I changed an address or something that you have to do within 30 days this year. So, uh, you know, they, they need to make sure they don't play around with it. So,
0: yeah, it adds up in a hurry.
8: Yep. Yep. It yep.
0: adds up in a hurry. What what's the situation with the tax act real quick?
8: You know, the house passed it about a week ago. Mm-hmm. Now, we have to realize and I've said this before, you know, the Senate sort of treats the House as as that child, you know, the black sheep in the family, so to speak. So the Senate's going to mold this and likely is not going to pass until after March 1st, and we have a lot of farmers out there that want to file by March 1st and if they have you know, the big thing in the bill is the fact that 80% bonus depreciation retroactively to January 1 of 23, or 2023 goes back to 100%. So those farmers, maybe they want to consider uh, filings or paying some type of estimated tax payment, Yep. or they may want to file and then do a superseding return. It's not a minute return. It's a superseding return as long as they do it by the due date. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Good stuff, Naper. Okay, Thanks,
8: buddy. You're welcome.
0: Have All your right. Time. That is Paul Nee for CPA. He's a regular here on Agritalky.
8: You,
0: you, 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 how do you find your blog the
8: easiest way? FarmCPAReport.com. FarmCPAReport.com. FarmCPAreport.com.
5: Yeah.
0: FarmCPAReport.com. Good stuff. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening this morning. Thank you to Robbo Finance for making it possible. Come back this afternoon. Pete Meyer from Muddy Boots and the winner of this year's Women in Ag Award. It's a name that is familiar to AgriTalk listeners. Tomorrow morning, I'll be back in the bunker for a conversation with Emily Spore from Growth Energy. Have a great day. We'll talk to you this afternoon, 206 Central, here on AgriTalk.